Hey everybody, it's Lon Seidman. It's time once again for your weekly wrap-up and the Video Game History Foundation recently started up a program where they will mail you a blind box of an old retro video game magazine once a month. I got one in. I'm going to open it up and see what's inside. So let's get to it. So let's take a look at what this Video Game History Foundation is all about before we dive into my mystery envelope here. They are a 501c3 nonprofit here in the U.S., and they are dedicated, they say, to preserving, celebrating, and teaching about the history of video games. And what's attracted me to their work is that they're eager to collect a lot of the historical information about this industry and the art form. So it goes beyond just getting their hands on old video games and old consoles and stuff. They're actually digging into notes from developers. They're trying to get their hands on uh, the entire collection of raw material from journalists. Like whatever they can get, they're getting and then processing and trying to uh, work with, including source code. And if you go to their blog, they've got some really fun recent examples of some amazing work. Uh, this is the one that really got me, which was getting their hands on an old ROM from the Sega VR. This is a hardware accessory for the Sega Genesis. Yet, yes, yet another add-on for it uh, that was going to bring virtual reality to that 16-bit console. And this was really far along because I remember hearing about it uh, back in 1995 when they were about to release it. In fact, this uh, marketing piece showed up in Sega Visions magazine in August and September of 95. They had four games ready to go. They had the hardware. Uh, people were saying it actually wasn't all that bad. Uh, but for whatever reason, Sega just decided to abruptly cancel the project. It could be that they already had two other add-ons they were trying to sell, the 32X and the Sega CD, and probably felt that this was not going to make it. Uh, or perhaps it was just making people sick, which was the rumor that everybody was talking about. And what was funny was that there was footage of this thing working at trade shows and people wearing it like it existed. And I was really wondering why we never saw any kind of ROM or any evidence that this thing existed beyond some of these videos that you might find on YouTube. Well, uh, crazy chain of events, but the Video Game History Foundation got their hands on a CD-ROM that had source code for one of the games that was going to be part of this, likely the game that they were demoing at these trade shows. And what they're able to do through their foundation and their volunteers and the resources that they have available uh, through the organization was rebuild the ROM. And from that building of the code, they were able to figure out how the displays worked and they created an emulator where you can boot up this ROM on a modern VR headset and actually play it. I haven't tried it yet. I'm eager to give it a shot one day. Maybe we'll do a live stream where we play around with it. But it, they've got it working. It's pretty cool. And you can see what this would have been like. Of course, it won't rival what we've got today for VR, but it might be fun just to see what you could do on a Sega Genesis. I would say this is probably not quite virtual reality, but more like a head-tracking 3D game thing. But I'm eager to try it out and see what it's all about and the effort that they went through to get this thing going, I thought was a real credit to what they're trying to do. This is the kind of stuff that we really need to get preserved, and that was a really fun one. They have some other similar examples. They found a bunch of floppy disks from an NES game that was never released. Let me see if I can find that one on the, uh, the page here. Uh, it was a game from uh, the probably the late 80s, which was going to be uh, a Days of Thunder licensed game, 
And there was a Days of Thunder game released, but it was a different game. And they found some floppy disks from a late developer whose family donated those disks to a historian. And they were able to rebuild it in a very painstaking way. And it's just a great story, the effort and length they went into to get this old NES game working again. And this is the kind of stuff that they're doing. And this is what I was eager to help support in some way. And that was what was fun about getting into this magazine deal. Now, let me show you what they're doing here with the magazine. So one of the things they're trying to build up is a collection of documentation from you know, the old days here. And if we go over to their shop, you can see that they now offer this blind box vintage magazine option. And this is because in the course of collecting all these magazines, they've got a lot of duplicates. So they're now allowing you to buy them uh, as kind of a donation to the foundation. And they have a subscription plan that I signed up for. And so every month I'm going to get one of these mystery envelopes with a video game magazine in it. Now, when I subscribed, I specified I wanted 80s or 90s only. And it looks like now if you do that, you can't do a subscription. They might be running low on supplies for all of us who did subscribe. So if you want the 80s or 90s, it's going to be a one-off. Um, but if you just want to be surprised with whatever, uh, you will uh, be able to get that on a monthly basis. Or you can just buy it one-off. And I think for you know, for people in your life who are maybe into retro video games, this might be a fun little surprise to send to them. Because you don't know what it's going to be. It's a total surprise. But it will be something uh, from an era of gaming that that person is likely going to enjoy. And without further ado, why don't we open up my envelope now and see what they sent me. All right, so let's open it up. The envelope is falling apart on me. So they don't tell you what they're sending you. It's totally random, and it's all duplicates from their thing. Okay, I'm going to flip it over to the back here so I don't break the surprise. Now, surprisingly, they, they package these things quite nicely. So you get a certificate of authenticity along with a sticker here. And let's take a look at that. Pretty nice. Get their logo on the back here. It's actually um, it's got a seal on it. And it's signed by uh, Frank Cifaldi and Kelsey Lewin. Kelsey is uh, on Metal Jesus' channel quite a bit. She's got a great uh, store, two stores in Seattle, Washington. And it's got a nice piece of cardboard here to keep it good. So let's see what we get. All right, we got the GamePro. So this is GamePro from May of 1995. How about that? Not a bad, not a bad thing, because this would be... This would be right before all the, um, you know, the 32-bit systems came out. So this was before the Saturn and the PlayStation, I think just before their release, right? Because those came later in the year. And this would have been around the time that, you know, your Sega Genesis and Sega CD and Super Nintendo were kind of at their peaks, right before uh, the big change over there. Um, so at the time, let's see, this was in May of 95. I was finishing up my freshman year of college, so I had the 3DO at that point. And so you see ads for Super Nintendo games. This is introducing the latest in RPG weaponry, Fleas, Slobber, and Chronic Bad Breath, The Secret of Evermore. I don't think I remember that game. And then here's like a first look at um, some of the new hardware coming out. So you have like your Sony PlayStation and the Sega Saturn there, pretty cool stuff. And you got, again, ads for all the 16-bit games. And, you know, what's, what's interesting is the, the gaming media really stepped up its game um, 
between, you know, around this period of time. This is when people started really consuming game media. And here's something. This is the uh, satellite view. I think there was a, a game that, um, this is for the, uh, the Super Nintendo, where you could get games over satellite. Isn't that cool? So somebody found one of the cartridges that was working with this system at one of the Super Potato stores in Japan, and they were able to extract a game that was never released for the Super Nintendo. Talk about those, those ROMs, right? Pretty neat. Um, so here's a little talk about Street Fighter, the movie, the video game. So remember, Street Fighter had a movie, and then they made a video game of the movie using digitized characters from the movie. That's real meta. Uh, here's this, an ad for the Super Game Boy. We reviewed that a little while back. Remember I bought one? And some Game Boy games here. And this was actually before um, the Game Boy Color, if I'm not mistaken, because this was 1995. So the Game Boy Color was still a few years off. So you're still seeing ads for that. A lot of ads for that. So here's like a whole overview of video game hardware. So they've got the 3DO here. They've got the Sega Genesis, the Super Nintendo, and the Jaguar. So these were available along with the Neo Geo. I think the Neo Geo CD was available. Yep, so all, this is all the stuff that's currently, that was <laughs> currently available for sale at that period of time. And there is mention of the 32X. Okay, so this, right, so this was after it had come out. I didn't buy my 32X until 96 or 97. So it sold for $150. I got mine for 30 bucks on clearance at a Toys R Us. And then you got the Sega CD and the Sega CDX here. And then they're mentioning the Saturn and the PlayStation. And there was some excitement over that. Looking extremely good. Also looking extremely good, they say. And then a big question mark. What's the Nintendo Ultra 64 going to look like? And then here it's talking about the, the end of the NES. So I guess, was the NES canceled in 95? I don't know. But they're, they were counting it dead at this point in May of 1995. And you could subscribe. So even all this stuff is still in here, like the subscription cards and everything. 12 issues for 20 bucks. These magazines were not cheap. Um, so here is a uh, thing about the Sega channel. And I was so jealous of people that had this because this would work on your cable television system. But this is predating cable modems for the most part. This might have been right when... Uh, cable broadband was first being experimented with. And what you did is you plugged this into your Sega Genesis and it would download games over your cable TV service. And you'd be, you were able to choose what games you wanted to play. My guess is they were constantly transmitting this stuff down the wire and the, the cartridge would wait for the game that you're looking for to arrive and it would download it onto the internal memory and you could play the game. Kind of like a flash cartridge, but legitly uh, licensed. <laughs> so that was neat. And people who had this service, I think, really liked it because you spent, you know, a monthly fee. It's kind of like, you know, it's like the equivalent of Game Pass today, right? So that was kind of kind of cool. And then we've got a whole bunch of stuff on online video game information part one. Um, so remember, around this time, not only was there a big transition in video games, people were first getting on the internet, right? So um, what you got here are some info, uh, information about websites that you could go to. Um, but down here, they were also listing out uh, Usenet groups. Many of these I was active in, like recgames.video.3do, uh, which was you know, part of the internet. It was a, basically the, the internet's equivalent of a uh, worldwide bulletin board system and Usenet is still around, uh, not used as much for conference or for discussion these days, 
but they have some websites you can visit. They've got CompuServe and America Online, all sorts of ways to find video game information online. Little did they know that magazines would have a hard time surviving <laughs> after all of that. And of course, you had the Jaguar, which was being sold at that point as well. And you know, for a next generation system, you know, it was pretty reasonably priced here at this point, 160 bucks. Um, the game library wasn't all that great, right? But um, you know, if you wanted to get something better than your 16-bit system, this was probably the, the lowest price option you had at that point. So here's a fun section called SWAT Pro. And as I was scrolling through here, I remember doing this. So NBA Jam, the tournament edition on the Genesis and Super Nintendo, had some secret codes you could type in. And it would replace the heads of the basketball players with celebrities and political figures from the time. So they had uh, Bill and Hillary here, Heavy D, the Fresh Prince, Jazzy Jeff, who is, uh, who is Will Smith's uh, uh, cohort there. Larry Bird you could put in, who I think was retired at that point. Uh, Weasel, Air Dog, isn't that funny? And here you've got some Game Genie codes because you, you know, there wasn't a lot of online resources you could quickly get these from. So here you go. We've got some for Battletech, Sonic and Knuckles, Jamit Basketball, Donkey Kong Country. Here's Infinite Lives. Good stuff. And you can sell your games too. And Chips and Bits. Remember Chips and Bits? I remember there was a Chips and Bits BBS, but it looks like they were also selling games. Free shipping. Place an order for an out-of-stock software item. $2. Oh, you have to pay... Um, a free overnight shipping when it becomes available, $2 handling, not bad. And it looks like something got spilled on the page here. <laughs> um, and then you've got some ads for stuff there. And then on the back, an ad for Mortal Kombat 3. So I got to say, this was a pretty nice surprise. I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to end up with here, but the magazine's in great shape. It's from an era that interests me as well. So this was a lot of fun to thumb through. And what I'm going to do in the coming months here, if I keep getting these as part of my subscription, is I will do a live stream every time one of these comes in to open it up. I'm not sure how many of you might be interested in it, but it might be just a fun thing to do. It's something that I'm looking forward to, so I'm going to share that experience with you whenever these come in. And again, you can check out the Video Game History Foundation's website if you want to try to get some of these for yourself. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Now, this week's wrap-up is being brought to you by all of you. And on our last couple of live streams, we had a bunch of super chatters that I want to thank, including Chris Allegretta, Lodgy KGR, Mark Dell, Ken Driggers II, Carol Chermerzinski, Toys Are For Boys, and Eric's Variety Channel. We also have some new supporters here on the channel. Sergio Morales made a gold-level contribution. Thank you very much for that. I also want to thank Boz Hobbs, who contributed via the YouTube membership program. Joe Rowe signed up on our donor box page. And then we have Peaceful Oblivion 1 and B Blanks 05, who contributed via Floatplane. I want to thank everybody who contributed this week and everyone who contributes on an ongoing basis, along with all of you who watch on a regular basis, too, because all of those things equal channel growth. Now, if you want to support the channel, you can. You can go to lon.tv support and make one of those contributions, either monthly or one-time. We also support Patreon, the YouTube membership program, and, of course, 
float plane where I upload all of my content to as well. You can see some of the other channels in which I appear, including the audio version of this show on my podcast. It won't be that great this week because there's a lot of visuals to this one, but usually it works very well in audio form. You can engage with the channel on our email list and Facebook group. And then, of course, we have the store where I sell previously used items that we reviewed here on the channel. And you can sign up to get alerted via email whenever we add a new item to the store. That is going to do it for this week's weekly wrap-up. Got some fun content ahead for this week, including maybe something retro-related. So stay tuned for that. And until next time, this is Lon Seibin. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by the Lon.TV supporters, including Gold Level supporters Brian Parker, Jim Peter, Tom Albrecht, Frank Lewandowski, Mark Bollinger, and Chris Allegretta. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv support to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv s.